Hello, my name is Adelaide Matthew Dickin, and I'll be having a conversation with Tashan Lovemore for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. Today is February 28th, 2019, and this is being recorded at the Sylvia Rivera Law Project in New York City. Uh, you want to kick off by telling me your name um, and if you want your age? Sure. Um, my name is Tashawn Lovemore and I am currently 30. I'll be 31 in April. And what are your gender pronouns? Uh, he, him, his. Does that make you an Aries? Yes. I have a birthday coming up too. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um, how would you describe your gender? Um, I feel like I, I would describe it limitless because for so long prior to hormones, I felt like I had to be a certain way. And then once I started uh, HRT, I realized, or I, it just became easier to be. Mm. I stopped thinking as much. And like even right now, I have this bracelet from, uh, what is it, uh, um, Pandora? <laughs> My mom gave it to me prior to uh, HRT. And I was like, why is she giving this to me? She knows. But then once... Again, I became who I am. I was like, I could wear this bracelet. This has no gender. You know, this is what it is. So that's how I like to look at it. Cool. Gender. Totally. Um, and you said you were born here in New York. Yeah, I was born. Well, I was born in, yes. Not New York City, because <laughs> people like to, you know, make the separation. I was born in Long Island. Okay. So I was born in East Meadow, Long Island. And um, I grew up there up until, I think, second grade. And second grade is when I came to Brooklyn. Cool. And... When you were growing up in New York, do you remember like early experiences about hearing of the trans community or first times that the first memory you have about like a trans person or my first vivid memory of a person of difference was I was at Roosevelt Mall, if anybody knows Long Island. Um, me and my mom were getting out the car and we saw a woman, but my mom identified her as a man and she said Look at that man there with a with uh, a wig on, mm. and she pointed she pointed her out to me. So at that moment, I looked and I'm saying, "Hmm, this is different." You know, I I had no judgment. I just was aware. So that was my first little encounter to something different than what everybody else sees on the I guess day to day. Yeah. So that was my first little encounter. After, yeah, that was it. It was like pointed out to you. Yeah, yeah. My mom pointed it out to me. Um. And what was your childhood and your family background like here in New York um, or on Long Island? Well, yeah, in, in New York, you're right. It was, it was good. I mean, the fact that I had both, I, I, got, I got the the urban lifestyle in New York City and Brooklyn, and then I got the suburban lifestyle in Long Island because I went to Long Island on the weekends to see my grandparents. That was cool. My mom. Um, the thing is, on the weekends that was church time, mm. also. So, it was. It was interesting because I also felt like I had to follow certain rules growing up. Um, I guess like most children feel like they have to do. So the balance of live, like being with my mom and then going back to my grandparents' house and feeling like I had to basically hide who I was growing up, that's what I remember the most. And what I did at the time too is because I felt like I, had a, I didn't have an outlet, I would record myself. Mm. So I took a, a video, I took a whatever camera at the time and I would record myself every day um, things that were going on in my life that was like my therapy and I was so afraid my mom would see my deepest and my deepest emotions that I destroyed it and I wish I never did that because mm. I would have something to look back on some type of documentary kind of like this and um, yeah that's something I really wish I didn't do but I destroyed it because I was afraid I was afraid of people knowing who I was I was afraid of being myself I was afraid of what people would say about me being me so I just destroyed it Wow. Yeah. Who gave you the camera? Where did you get it? Do you remember? It was my mom's camera. Mm. And that was my, like, my first time really being interested in film. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted my mom, my mom actually, she put me into a, a BMCC had, no, not BMCC, sorry. Kingsborough had a program for children on the weekends. So my brother, he did gymnastics and I did a film class. So it was a combination of my mom buying that camera for herself and then me also playing with it on the side. <laughs> And how, like, how, how young were you when you started doing that? Like, I had to be maybe 11. Cause I know I recorded my uncle's wedding for him in, mm -hmm. in 
my first time going to Europe, my uncle mm -hmm. played basketball overseas, so he got married over there, and I recorded his wedding for him. So that was me playing around with film at that time too. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah, that's amazing. Like right, right as you're growing up, that you were like turning yeah. to that already, and it's still a big Something, part of your yeah, life exactly. to use media. And, exactly. Yeah, I was gonna ask too, like. Uh, what's your like relationship with your family like now? Or do you feel like there's a way that some of those early like lessons and the rules that you were talking about um, that you have a relationship with now as an adult? My family now, a little bit about my about the background. Cause I feel like I didn't really dive deep. Sure. My grand, my mother's side is Jamaican. My father's side is American. So I have the combination. And um, my my mother's side. Again, very religious, so very strict as far as, like, you know, how you're supposed to be. I remember wanting to mow the lawn with my grandfather, and he would tell me, you know, little girls don't do that. Mm. Or me whistling around the house, and he would tell me, you know, that's not what girls do. And feeling like, I don't care about those rules. I would still want to, I want to try it. Let me still do it. But then I have my father, who is very supportive. <laughs> he was very supportive growing up. I don't know if secretly he had issues with things that I was doing, but he always showed me a lot of love and always told me, I, I was 13, my dad told me to, to explore my body. Wow. Most people don't get that from their parents. Okay. My dad said, you know, you should know your body before anybody else touches your body. And I think that that's very important because if you have those type of conversations, it eliminates a lot of, like, kids are curious. So it eliminates a lot of things when you have those moments when you say, okay, let me get to know me. And my dad was instilling that for me from very young. I just wasn't listening. Mm. Uh, he would tell me, it made me uncomfortable. I didn't know how to navigate with that. So that's how we kind of, that's, that was one aspect. My, um, my mom, on the other hand, she had a hard time with me being who I am. Um, even one time I think my grandmother called her and she just, the way she, the way she took it was like, you know, yeah, this is what I'm going through. And at that time it did hurt. You know, even um, in the beginning to my dad, I told, like I said, I have an open book with him, but he kind of betrayed my trust. So when I did tell him, you know, at the, at the time I didn't have the language, when I did tell him, you know, I, I like women, he's like, you know, tell your mom when you're ready. And I was like, okay. He's like, but you have to tell her. He went, he went ahead and told her anyway. Mm. And talking to other parents, they say, you know, that's things parents do, but he didn't live with me. So you... You put me in a situation where now home is a very uncomfortable, and I didn't know why. Mm -hmm. So my mom just turned cold on me, and I didn't know what was going on. So her energy with me changed dramatically, and um, then she sent, she wrote me a long letter, a long letter telling me, you know, I'm a disgrace to the family. What about my brother? What about this? What about that? All these what is about everybody else, not making sure I was okay, and. Um, at the time, again, I was very angry. I carried that letter with me everywhere to show people, like, look what my mom said to me. Can you believe this? Mm -hmm. Like, can you? And the older I got and, you know, discovering myself, I believe now the universe allowed that to, told me to release that because mm -hmm. one day I couldn't find it. So it was time for me to let that go. And with, as I got older again, I realized, you know, I can't take those things personally. Maybe my mother didn't know how, my mother did, clearly didn't know how to handle that. Maybe she needed an outlet to talk to somebody. And I didn't offer her, hey, you know, maybe this is, some, I know this is new to you. This is the first time, X, Y, and Z. Maybe you could call this number and they can help you out. I wasn't thinking about how it may affect her either. We all were looking at it, looking at it from an I or a me perspective. So that was something that I had to go through and learn. Um, my dad, oh, that relationship was kind of messy after that. And then when it came to me, be, me being me, because I don't... When it comes to using the word trans before uh anything else is kind of difficult for me so i like to say you know i'm just a man and um because i know that i'm black first and people see that first before they see anything else and or even feeding into the idea of you don't look trans because i don't like the i don't like that either because what does that mean what All is right. a, what is a look um so i just say that i'm a man so when i, when I told my dad that i was going to start hrt again he went and told my mother but this time it was a lot different my mom at this point she lived in arizona i was here by myself um, she wrote a, she sent me a card, but this card was felt was filled with love. So I could tell that there was a lot of change there. Um, so now the relationship between me and my mama is a lot better. Mm -hmm. um, she was the one who helped me during my top surgery, like with everything, you know, wrapping me up, unwrapping me if I needed anything. Um, our relationship got a lot, a lot better. And I'm very grateful for that because a lot of times we think that if it starts off negative, it's going to end negatively. And we don't really give that our parents' time to, to grow and change as well with us. Because even if I knew years before, she's just not finding out about this Tashan person now. So it was a growing process for everybody. Yeah. 
Wow, I really empathize with a lot of that from my own experience. I'm I, feel just like hearing I feel like you. I said a lot. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I guess I'm thinking just about how, like, you just shared so much about your family, but how that was all panning out for you while you were um, just living through that growing up, like, here in New York. Like, what were your friends and school and, like, other social spaces that you were in, like, uh, yeah. Actually, a, a cis-het friend of mine, Again, didn't have the language at that, at that time, okay. but uh, she introduced me to the door. Mm. Um, that was my first time of, of a space that I felt like was inclusive of everybody. And I think I was probably like 16 at the time. Navigating who I was at school was a little bit easier. And also I would do things like steal my brother's shirts and then change. And I did a lot of that type of thing. My mom didn't know about it, <laughs> but I did a lot of that in the beginning. My brother didn't know I was taking his clothes either. <laughs> it was just kind of like things that I think that he didn't really notice that might be missing. Um, and till I could, till I was making a little bit of money to buy my own stuff. Yeah. But my friends at the time, a lot of my friends, a lot of the female friends were friends who I were at, who I was actually uh, having relations relationships with that other people didn't know. So it's kind of like everybody, it's kind of like a secret. Mm-hmm. Only things that only what me and that friend knew. So a lot of my female friends that people just saw as my best friend were people that I was being intimate with. So navigating through that was very interesting too because they wanted to still have boyfriends. And it then made me feel like I wasn't adequate enough. Um, and it could be very damaging, too, because I was dealing with women who didn't identify with uh, the lesbian word. And, again, I didn't either. So it was comfortable with me dealing and dating with cishet women, but then it was uncomfortable. So it was like it was weird navigating through that, through that space in high school because I kind of felt like I was temporary, mm. a place filler. Um, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> and was there a moment, I mean, I know the door a little bit, uh, now as an adult, but like, were, was there a moment that you did feel like instead of those relationships of just like, we're two people who love each other or are figuring this mm-hmm. out together, where you were like, I'm entering into queer community now or into trans community, or did that happen like later? That happened for me a lot later, around the time where I met my business partner, sir. Around like, I want to say I was 21, maybe they get 20, 21. When I started going to Brooklyn Boyhood events, and that was my like real like when I really got. I mean, I used to go to something called the, the Lab in Brooklyn, but I felt like it was very binary. So even even in those spaces, I still didn't feel like I fit in really because I felt I felt like I all right now this is when you learn about gender and performances because now I felt like I had to act a certain way and be a certain way in those spaces. So. Brooklyn Boyhood, though, was a completely different vibe. It was like, you can just be you. And people from all over were coming to, to Brooklyn Boyhood events. People from Canada, people from Europe heard about it. I'm like, wow. So I felt like, okay, so it's not a lot more people who don't fit in this binary of how you are supposed to act. And this is way more comfortable for me. So that was, yeah, around like 2011, 2010, 2011 is when I started exploring more uh, queer spaces. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share a little bit about each of those three spaces that you named just for, like, the record and as part of your story? Like, the door and how you found it, the lab, and Brooklyn Boyhood, okay. what they are and how you found them? Um, the door, I, again, I didn't go that many times, but from what I do remember, it's a space where it's very inclusive of all people. They provide different services, uh, whether you need to speak to somebody. I know they provide counseling for people. I know they have, like, programs. Um for like after school because we went after school um and i know they provide like transportation and things like that and when i was at the lab the lab was something that happened on friday friday nights in brooklyn on fulton street and it was predominantly for lesbians that friday night i think they did other things on sundays for um gay men but it was uh the population was predominantly black and hispanic it was really cool like hip-hop music and things like that and you had like the rap messiah she used to be out there all the time, all the time. And um, that's how I first found out about her. And Brooklyn Boyhood was a collective that, I don't remember when it started. I know they did uh, calendars. I was part of the calendar of representation of different uh, mass-centered folks, which was really cool because, again, you get to see a spectrum. And um, they had, they host different events, uh, parties, or they did bowling. They did everything to kind of make you feel like this is home and this is a safe space. I mean, all those spaces, well, 
especially uh, the door had the safe space policy too. The lab got a little crazy at, back in the day. Like a lot of fights used to happen at the lab. <laughs> so it's a part of part of the reason why I think my mom probably didn't want me to go. Or I, I don't even think she knew that's where I was going. I think I probably told her I was going someplace else, and then I was going to the, these lesbian parties to feel like I had something to go to. Because also, now that I'm thinking about it, they did have folks of transparency there too, mm. and that was another moment of, huh. They're trans men. I never, like, they have different houses that we get into the, 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 the house uh, yeah. aspect of things. I'm like, I had a friend who was in the house of Balenciaga, and she identifies she. So she uh, had friends who were um, trans men or men of trans experience. And I'm like, hey, this is different. I didn't know too much about it yet, but I still was kind of, like, curious, but scared at the same time because yeah. I'm worried about my family. Um but those are the three yeah, spaces that I first navigated in, in the beginning of Brooklyn and the center. The center I went to, I went to a few uh, group me meetings, and that's in the city on West 13th Street. I went to a few meetings with a couple, with one of my friends that was uh, centered around folks of, uh, masculine centered folks, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing about each of those. You mentioned Sir, too, which. Um, just for context, uh, you're doing this interview at the same time Sir's getting yes. interviewed and like <laughs> wanted to, to talk about Black Trans TV. Where, did did that kick off pretty quickly after you met each other or did, at you know Brooklyn Boyhood events or was it a totally separate? So me and Sir met at uh, Brooklyn, again, they, they, do, they do different events. So summertime they had like a, a picnic at Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And um, I met him there, he's with his girlfriend, I was with my girlfriend. We met in 2011, but we didn't kick off Brooklyn Boy. I mean, we didn't kick off Black Trans TV until we went to the Philly Trans Conference. We went to the Philly Trans Conference. We tried to look, go to all the uh, POC Black uh, workshops that we could find, and our, every single one of them were canceled. Mm. So we were like, man, we tried. We came out here. I mean, we came out here from Brooklyn. We trying to see what's going on and learn as much as we can, even because. We also know that the, uh, that folks of white white people folks I mean white folk, white ex people's experience of trans of trans experience I'm messing up here. All right, let me start over. Yeah. People who are white in their experience of being trans and our experience of being black are going to be different. Just simple things, just as healing yeah. uh, for top surgery or just different things. So we that was one thing that we that we said okay let's make sure that we go to the POC workshops. They were all canceled. We were disappointed. So we said hey well he was like hey bro we could we could do this. And I was like, yeah, we can. And he's like, we should do one on self-love, self-care. Cool. We set up, we talked about it. And we kind of thought about, we thought about doing a workshop before we actually thought of the collective. Mm. So that's the collective, like, Black Trans TV came after we thought about doing a workshop. Mm. So we did the workshop the first year, 2017. And then that's how Black, uh, Black Trans TV started. And that first workshop was on like self care yeah, and self -love, self -love, for yes. black trans folks as a concept or yeah I mean that first workshop yes it was POC and then when we did it the second year it was for everybody cool. we did it we did it, it was open yeah and I I'm curious like so many layers to just hear from your experience of what that's looked like for you within community and for yourself of like how what lessons you've learned about self love along the way I learned a lot yeah <laughs> because. In the beginning, that's another thing too. I was getting out of a relationship. Mm. So when we first started, I pulled back. I said, bro, I can't do it. I'm not in the space to do it. I felt my energy was really low. When I say really low, I, I can't even, I didn't want to, I don't know, it was really bad. Because I, I was just started HRT and thought this was the person for me. And yeah, I thought we were going to spend our lives together type of thing. And she pulled away from me and it was based on religion. It was based on all these things that I, I felt like we were kind of past and then we had discussions about. So he started the channel by himself at first, initially. And um, then I got on board. So it did help me because I, it reset me, yeah. you know? So it was kind of like, I always say like, he's the product, I'm the example because I wasn't even in the space to do something like this, like talk right now. So we started off, so it started, it helped me get to a place where it's like, I need to put me first. And I, I need to make sure that I'm happy. And what does that look like? Because I felt like I, I was putting myself on the back burner a lot. I was trying to please everybody else. And it was like, well, pleasing everybody else is not leaving me happy. So it was like, what, what, am, I, is that, what am I doing? So this is where self-love for me started as well. So it was, it was like a kickstart in getting to know myself, with my likes and my dislikes, finding out what boundaries are, um, being okay with saying no, um, <laughs> taking myself out. Because I always felt like going to the movies, I had to have somebody with me. And it was like, you know what? Let me enjoy a movie by myself and see what that feels like. And I enjoyed it. You know, and getting to 
enjoy me and learn who, who this is, who Tashan is, who Lovemore is, even when it comes to my last name and changing my name. Um, that's my great-grandmother's last name. And you know, people get married, you lose, you drop names. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I finally saw my grandmother after two years of being on HRT, because her first time seeing me, um, she mentioned the last name Lovemore again, because I always used to hear it, and my family used to make fun of me because I have skinny legs. Mm -hmm. They said, you don't have the Lovemore legs. And I was like, that's what y'all were saying all this time? I didn't know what y'all was saying. <laughs> I just was blocking it out because you're making yeah. fun of me. Yeah. But they was like, Lovemore. Hmm. I'm loving myself more. And I was just like, I'm changing my name. So it was like everything, this self-love was like, I was growing and changing like with everybody else. As we were putting things up, because even people could watch the videos on, on um, YouTube, they could probably notice my energy shift. I, I even had people reach out to me and say, hey, I, I see the change in you. I lo I'm loving this. And it's like, yeah, I had to become the person that was practicing what I'm preaching. So I can't just say, yeah, love yourself. This is what you got to do. It's like, no, this is, this is very vital to your, to your being. And in order to be the, your best self, you have to know yourself. So that's, yeah, it helped me a lot. <laughs> how, how do you think about that balance now? Because you're like... Um just from the like very little I know of you and of the channel, like yeah. you're out there, you're in many ways like a representative for all of your identities. Yes. Um, in this very public way, at the same time, like you said, that you're on your own healing journey with yes. that, like your own <laughs> lessons of learning from other people, like finding boundaries, but at the same time, like representing and creating a channel for many more folks to be represented. Yeah. Just how are you thinking about those like... Finding balance with that? Yeah, self-love, community love, like how those things... Well, I'm learning because I'm a giving person. Mm. I feel like I like I'm very. I feel like being the word you're you're very. I'm very understanding. I'm I'm kind. I'm gentle. You know, and um, I feel like that's a lot of times looking at me, people don't think that, and and I try to show that in my actions. So sometimes I do have to check myself with my boundaries because I can be very open and be very welcoming, and then I feel drained, and then I feel. Then anxiety might come, and I'm like, you know what? What am I doing? So I have to check myself. So I have to find at those moments I will reiterate to people like, hey, like Facetime calls. People might just want to Facetime you. I may not be available for you. Reach out to me first with a text. Then, and some people might find that being rude. And it's just like, no, you have to respect my time and my boundaries and what I'm, what I may be doing. You know, I could be like, how I'm having this interview with you right now, and somebody might just want to call. Yeah. No, we have to communicate that, or not giving up, giving up my number the way I used to, um, because. People want constant access to you. That's another thing that I realized too. Once you do go on that platform, people want to feel like they can get to you all the time. And um, I want to be there for people, absolutely. But it's just we have to find the line, the, the line that I have to I have to create. So it's it's trying. I mean, I'm learning because I felt like at first, because I wasn't the forefront, I wasn't the face like that. I didn't really have that issue. So I would hear my bro talk about it all the time. And I was like, oh, okay. But now it's like, okay, now I see what you're talking about. Now we have to make sure that I'm saying this and I'm doing that. And to make sure that people understand I still do care and I want you to be your best self and love on yourself, but I may not be available to you right away. What are some of those conversations that you do have around like sustainability or how dreams for how the, the channel itself, but also just like the healing space that it's creating for black and brown and trans folks? Uh, to be seeing this representation, like what are some of the dreams that you all have talked about, or oh well, questions of sustainability. Yeah, the dreams of it. Right now, we're um, working on. Well, Black Trans TV is underneath Black Rose Production, so the ultimate goal is to do documentaries. Like uh, one that we're talking about now is what is a man? Because we realized that again, as I said in the beginning, things that I thought the perform the performative act of who what a man is and. I remember when I first went to a party with my friend, we were like 19, a guy came up to him and said, um, you're, wearing a watch, you're wearing your watch on the wrong wrist. Mm. And it was interesting because it's like, what, what does that mean? You know, like, why can't you wear your watch on whatever wrist that feels comfortable for you? So it's, it's things like making sure that we, we get across to the, to the masses, to the world, to, to understand that let people just be. You know, and what is, why do we have so much restrictions on what a man is supposed to do and not supposed to do? And kind of like challenging people too, because if we get people who say, well, you're supposed to do this, it's kind of like, well, why? Why do you believe that? Why do you feel that way? And some people don't know why. They just know that th these things have been taught to them and that they're supposed to do these things, but they don't know the reason why. My mom thought it was interesting and funny that my dad wanted to wear, I don't know what it's called. I hope you, I hope people know what I'm talking about, but the baby harness, oh, yeah. she, because my dad is like a six one 
real big, broad, like muscly, tall guy and scary man. And he even says sometimes that he used to be a bully back in high school. So he has that that image, but that tender side of him, my mother didn't understand. Mm. You know, or I see my dad cry. He was that person that I, I could I seen him do those things, and he made it seem like it's okay. You know, so when I see or hear other guys talk about it in such a negative way. I wonder, like, do you know why you feel that way? Mm. So on a grand scale, if I'm going off, but on a grand scale, we want to get to a place where we have people question why they do the things that they do. Mm. So, and, and also accept the person that they are, you know, and realize why that's important. And so on a bigger scale, we want to get to a place where we are making um, films. And because um, we feel like media is where people are tuning in. Media is with social, whether it's social media, you're looking at it from a different perspective. Like I said, I started off with my little camera and that was my, that was the start, but it's continued to be something that's part of my life and I didn't even go to school for this. I, I thought about it, but it's, it's embedded in me. I, I realize that now. Yeah. I wanted to jump back. I was thinking about the camera too and uh, like you know as you were growing up there wasn't necessarily the same access to like public or like a platform yeah. that you were having at that time but those tools were always part of part, it yeah I, I i just i guess i was thinking about whether uh like how you look back on those years or like your that time it brings now me joy. yeah yeah it brings me joy because i feel like it makes me believe that things come in full circle because my family, we go going to the West Indian side again. When it comes to careers and things like that, it's very like narrow. Like you need to be something that's like a doctor, a nurse, a teacher. You know the, the regular, the generic jobs. Yeah. It's not. It's not so much based on. Uh, at first, I wanted to be a psychologist. It was between psychology and a director. When I finally came to my family and told them I'm thinking about being a teacher, they gave me hugs. Hmm. You know that was the response. So it's kind of like. But it's interesting now they see what I'm doing and it's like, I'm so happy, I'm so pleased. It's like, this is what I wanted to do from before, but you weren't <laughs> as supportive before because it didn't, it wasn't something that you saw. Mm. And that's something that, again, I had to learn too. People can't see your dreams. That It's not for them to see. It's, it's for you. It's, it's your dream. And they may not live, and that's okay. We have to be okay with that. They may not support it and that's fine. You want the support, it's nice, but you may not get it and you have to be okay with that as well. Mm. Um. Are there other either groups or, or, or people in the media that you look to or movements that you look to like as Black Trans TV or your work just as you being part of them or like the change that you want to see or other people that you look That's to as inspirations? Um, well, Brooklyn Boyhood because that was the base for, well, for me. Yeah. Um, then I have Complex, Complex, Bad Boy Complex, Joe. Hey. <laughs> Joe it's just Joe by by themselves, and they yeah. use the pronouns fam and bro. And yeah. um, Joe's doing a lot. I love what Joe is doing. Is uh, they do conversations with the community and uh, poses conversations that people aren't people don't have the space to really talk about. Mm -hmm. And you know, challenging people again. Why do you feel this way? What's going? Talking about things that's going on on it every day. Then you have um, Safe for Society who started up uh, a card game. You know, and that's also another another way to push the envelope. So you could have these these with cis folks, anybody. You bring out the the cards and you it poses questions to ask you different things that's going on in the community and seeing how people folks feel about it. Um, who else is doing some? It's a lot of people doing great work. I feel like I'm drawing a blank right now, but um, there are a lot of people that we do collaborate with, like a lot of folks. But I mean, shout out to everybody who's doing something great for the community because the more that we do, the more that we say, the more that we're, we're, we're visible, because the, I feel like from the outside it's about erasing us. Yeah. And it's just like the more that we come together and we lift each other up, the, the harder it will be to, to erase anything. Mm. How do you think of the, I, I, just because you named it too with that, um, with the card game, like how do you think of the balance of this platform and, and just like, I feel like I think a lot about this like tipping point moment or whatever and like where we're at in terms of trans representation, how much time I'm personally investing in like uplifting my sisters mm. and like being in this space versus what work I'm doing for cis people or to like push against uh, just spaces and, and places that don't want to include trans folk. Mm. 
yeah, I'm just curious for you, like, what does that look like? How do you balance, like, with this kind of public that any, this platform that anyone can access, but, like, where's the, like, heart of the work for you? The heart of the work. I want to say what what I feel like is the hardest part or the heart of the work, like, where we really trying to, because what we want to do is bridge gaps. So the pushback that we get from cishet men, um, black men, because uh, last year we actually reached out to, to be a part of, of a panel <clears throat> discussion yeah. that was centered around cishet men. And we're saying, hey, inc include us, because if you want to hear, if it's supposed to be inclusive of all black folks and, you know, the community and things like that, let's make sure that. The, uh, that trans folks are also part of this conversation so you can know what we're going through and what we're feeling but we realize there's a lot of pushback in that in that realm and we're trying to because if you it's, it's, it's this thing where it's kind of like you know the black all black I mean black lives matter but then it's kind of like certain black lives matter not all black lives matter and that's where we're trying to get to the point where it's just like you know we're here uh, and that's, I feel like that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part because even like talking to my own family, I might have folks who understand and who are trying to learn and it's teachable moments, but then I also come across folks where it's kind of like, you're the exception. Mm. And it's just like, no, I'm not the exception. Mm. You're going to accept me and everybody else, you know, and it's not just because I'm your cousin, not just because I'm your, 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 your nephew, not just because of that, those, those things. Understand that there are other people living this, living their lives and they're living this, through this experience and we need to make sure that this is a safe space for everybody. And how can we do this? And talking about bathroom, just having these conversations with people on the regular because if we don't have these conversations, now I'm realizing, because before I would sit and be quiet and just listen because then I would take this information and say, okay, this is what people are saying. But now yeah. I went from, this is what people are saying and this is what I'm saying back yeah. to you. So. Okay, so that's where I, that's where I feel like the heart of the work is. This that's the to me the the area where we're trying the best to bridge yeah. that gap. Do you see either within trans community and like how we're going about that, or in your work, ha ha like do you see change happening, or like where where's the like energy behind that of like? Yes, when we get feedback from cishet folks who mm -hmm. are saying, "Wow, you this is." changing my life or you, you taught me so much I even get responses from DMs from people who, I, who I've seen like classmates from years ago totally. I'm so proud of you you teaching me so much uh, the platform like using using utilizing YouTube it's great because you get people from all over so it's, it's you might get some negative kickback and that's fine but it's the people who are learning and getting something from it. I have my aunt who's, who reaches out to me uh, and she says, baby, I love what you're doing. I watch all your videos and I'm learning so much because I don't know. I didn't know. You know, and a lot of times too, we forget that this might be this person's first experience yeah. with somebody of trans experience. So it's just like, these are, the, these are the moments you're supposed to teach somebody. I know some people feel like, you know, why don't you teach people all the time? F it, you know, look, look, look things up or whatever the case may be, but I'm the other half, I'm the other side. I'm like, I need to let you know. I need to teach you these things. Um, I I even slip up sometimes, you know, and I try my best to, to make the effort because I know what it's like to feel like you're not being seen or you're not being heard. So that's why I even push for my family to understand what's going on. I mean, it's work. It's, it's work in progress. I do see things like, you know, like you're saying, what changes do we see? In New York, there's a lot more changes than other states. So that's why even too, when we use the platform also, I, we also promote safety first because what I can do here in New York some people can't do in Alabama and that might be the gender neutral bathrooms they may never I don't have to say they may never but they may, it might take a lot longer for places yeah. like like that to get those things in place so we always promote safety first we want you to be safe because we know that our lives and our <clears> bodies <throat> are look are overlooked and and that's the that's part of the work making sure that we're not overlooked yeah and like you said, there's like, I feel like the the like larger, the mainstream media, <clears throat> especially in these last few years, want it to seem like there's this like progress narrative that's happening for everyone. No, it's not. On all fronts, like from all Black Lives Matter to like trans folks, you know, we're past the tipping point or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like it's happening like it is in New York and others. Like, And people feel like right now too, they feel like, oh, well, 
everything centered around the LGBT folks. There's times when I was in the barbershop, like I said before, when I wasn't speaking because at that time I wasn't that comfortable being who I was. This is the beginning of utilizing HRT. And um, I would hear things like that all the time, like, oh, LGBT, uh, all, all um, the last president, all Obama did was help out the LGBT uh, community. And I was just like, help them in what way? <laughs> Making sure that we had regular human rights? What are you talking about? Like, you don't think that we deserve healthcare? You don't deserve, you don't think that, and, and it's just, it's mind boggling to me because it's just, it's like, why do people need to have it in their family, have a person in their family to now understand yeah. that we need basic necessity, like basic needs should be met. But that is part of the work. And, yeah. and then, you know, we're not at this place where everybody's accepting. That's not the case. I mean, to me, again, New York, has, we have a lot more going on here in New York and then again in places like California, but that's two states out of many, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah. That's those are the places where I feel like you could be the most free in my mind. Because for a long time, my one time my uncle even said to me too, he was like, "All you know is New York. You never want to leave." That all these things he started knocking, like trying to knock me down. And at the time, he didn't know anything about what I was dealing with, what I was going through. And I just told him, I said, "You don't understand. Mm. You just don't understand." And I couldn't explain explain more at the time, but. I knew that if I went anyplace else, I probably wouldn't be able to be who I am so freely. And it took me so long to even be who I am now, even being in New York. So I can only imagine what it would have been like in a smaller uh, Bible Bible state or something like that. I wouldn't have felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful to be here. You know, I'm grateful to have the, the access that I do have. And, you know, we want to get to a place where it's like that for everyone in every state. And not just everybody has to migrate and move because some people want to move here but they they don't have the means they don't have and that's the problem everybody wants to leave everywhere that they are just so they could feel comfortable and be and it's like why why do we have to do that why can't we just be comfortable and and be in their hometown some people don't want to really leave their hometown they feel like they have to you know so that's the that's part of it as well and i feel like you named it when you were like with your family like this question of like the exception or like even in media images like i feel like there is this really constant thing of like people who look successful or like look like our traditional images of like who feel safe and have it you know all those things what beauty looks like and i realized that too with uh utilizing hrt the standard of beauty and now becoming this person who people find attractive Mm. more attractive Mm -hmm. and and people giving the compliments of Oh well, you looked beautiful before, but you look—you're so handsome now. And I don't. And as much as they want it to be a compliment, it's not for me because it's just like, what does that mean? Does that mean because I look like this, you treat me this way? And I—I I don't like that. You know, I want you to treat me the way you would treat any, like treat me, treat everybody good, despite how they look, despite if they—they're passing or not, and things like that. Like I—I I know I'm just assumed. You know, I know I work, I walk through the, through uh, New York City, and nobody's gonna come up to me and say, hey. Are you, you know, or yeah. are you a boy or a girl? That doesn't happen to me anymore. Where I know I have uh, people within the community that, that 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 does happen, and it can be uncomfortable, it can be triggering, and can be all these things. And it's like let's eliminate that. Stop making people feel like they have to explain themselves all the time. Let yeah. them be who they are, and that's that's just what it is. Um, yeah, I have so many thoughts running through my head about that. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. Um, I'm curious, like how i mean to step back because we went way into like no no not at all it's great i'm curious just about like since you did grow up around the city and like seeing i'm thinking again about the story of like the trans woman that your mom pointed out to you like now you're saying that's like not necessarily the experience that you're having working through the world yes not i i'm just curious like are there ways that you feel like you've seen new york change too um over your time here that you want to talk about? I want to say... <clears throat> I want to say maybe with my... Pres- all right. When I'm around... When I'm out with my female friend... My female friends of, of trans experience... Yeah. And <clears throat> and if they if they have... There's a shadow or something like that from... Because everybody doesn't have to get their face shaved. So, like, if they have that... If she has her shadow... Um, I know that people may look at us but i noticed that people don't say anything to us mm. um and be- i don't know if that's because i'm cis assumed mm. i don't know if it's because i'm i'm already a threat because i'm a black man i don't know if that's what's going on and that's why people don't say anything to to us but i know that if she's alone she, she doesn't feel safe mm. i know that and I, I didn't notice that before either that she takes ubers everywhere be- because that's safer for her um 
so taking a train and things like that with me is, 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 a, is she feels safer doing so than when she's by herself. And she's also been attacked on the train before. And it's it, and it makes me feel like well, I, have, I feel bad that I have to be around all the time. Yeah. You know, or constantly asking her when you get in, reach out to me. Let me know that you're home safe now. And this will go for any of my friend, my my um, female friends of train experience because I want to make sure that they're safe because their lives are way more at risk than mine, and I know that, you know, and I, I'm aware of that privilege, you know, and even if, and that's again for somebody who may not uh, fit in the in the binary, because I know that too when she is done up or, or dolled up or things like that, it's not the same response, you know, so. I do see I do see that there's a difference when I'm with her and when she's alone and I do see there's a difference when she's uh, done up with makeup and things and when she's not. So I don't know. Maybe New York is changing, but then it's like no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> you know, it just it just depends on the lens of that day. Yeah, we're talking about people moving here and that just like how it is in other states, but it's like communities constantly in crisis here. Yeah. You know, the violence is intense. Um. What are, what are some of the hardest things that you've experienced about living in New York or, um, when you think about your life here? Um, I know for me in the beginning, my one hard thing that, one thing that was really, really hard for me, I was taking a course at um, BMCC. I keep saying BMCC. At Kingsborough. <laughs> I was taking a course at Kingsborough and a culinary, a culinary course. My name hadn't changed yet. And I was really gun hard on my preferred name and this is before I guess the, the movement or the changes of preferred name was really a thing where like now I see it on so this is a change now I see it when you go to places people ask your pronouns people ask are you they ask are you a trans man or trans female or non-binary and things like that where they weren't doing that before uh, so when I was going through that one lady she disclosed who I was to my class when I didn't come to class one day mm -hmm. that was very hard for me because when I came in, I felt the shit from everybody. And somebody came in and told me what happened and you know, it just set me off. It, it, made, me feel like, um, it made me feel like I wasn't safe in that space anymore. Um, also had a lot to do with my own comfort with myself. So I yeah. felt like it also triggered something within me, like maybe I'm not comfortable with who I am. So now everybody else is noticing something in me and it's just like, I was too much in my head. And that's mm. another thing too that I had to get out of because even, when it, even using, utilizing the bathroom, I had to think about things like, I was thinking about things like I was holding my, my urine and I'm like, I'm gonna wait till I get to a place where it's just a single stall, a single bat, and things like that. And it's just like, what am I doing? I had a conversation with a, a, a male, a, cis, a cishet man, and he was just like, he was like, uh, fam, I'm not checking feet. He was like, I go into the bathroom and I'm going and I'm coming out. He's like, I'm not checking if your feet is this way or your feet are that way. And then after that, that changed, that changed my whole perspective on using the bathroom. Mm. I was like, I'm thinking way too much about other people seeing me instead of me just being me yeah so that that was pretty that was something i had to go through in the beginning and you know come to terms with this is what's making tashan happy and i need to make sure that tashan is good and i'm not going to get a uti because i'm wondering whether my feet are being noticed and if they are what are you gonna i mean granted safety first all the time too but it's like I come out, you're going to say, why was your feet this way? No. I mean, I could have been taking a dump. You don't know what I'm doing in there. And you shouldn't be concerned about what I'm doing in there. This is my private time. Totally. So. Totally. Um, do you feel that you've had to choose between expressing your gender identity and then, like, your economic security or your safety and accessing employment or just through your life here? Yes. Um, while working at... Is it okay I name these places? So, yeah. Oh, okay. I think I think so. It's it's your comfort, of course. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Well, yeah. While well, working at MSK CC uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which is nothing bad about that place, but when I I worked, I was doing <coughs> service work, so I had to change into uniforms and mm. going into the locker, and I would think about things like if anybody noticed anything different about me, then that could jeopardize my job. Yeah. Um, or waiting to even obtain a job because my name wasn't changed or my gender marker wasn't changed and things like that and being concerned about making those shifts or changes at a job. And another job I did, I was going through my name being my previous name, which is Tashana, yeah. changing it to Tashan, just dropped the A at the end. And um, how that would be for me in, those, in that space and how people would be receptive to me. But because um, at that time, uh, Caitlyn Jenner was just... Uh, 
was on the forefront of the news, yeah. people were coming up to me and saying, you're so brave and you're so this and you're so that. So the, the, the response was different than what I thought it was going to mm. be. Again, mm. another moment of being in my, in my own thoughts. So the response was a lot different than I thought. Some people may not have come to me at all and some people wouldn't talk to me at all, but I'm, big, I'm a big person on why would I want that person in my life and, and begin with. So to begin with, so it's like, okay, it's good that you didn't come talk to me. I don't want you to come and be around me if that's not authentic. So I only want authentic people around me. So if you're not going to come to me because you know my experience, great. We don't need to be in each other's spaces. Yeah, you've been able to like figure out boundaries or like yes. a self-centering of like, I'm going to move past them through that experience. Yeah, right? I'm gonna move, yeah exactly. I'm going to move past through that experience because ultimately I, I needed to make sure whether, whether it was going through it or not, because even going to spaces like... Uh, going to social security office before my before and trying to change those things i know people get kind of antsy about that I, i'm a true believer that well now i'm a true believer now that if you go into things with a positive mindset and i know for some people it's kind of like that's bullshit and i don't want them to feel that way i don't want them to feel like this is bs because it's really true it's almost like the placebo effect mm. and if you know about that then you know that this is real and yeah. it's if you do change your mind about things things will around you will change and when I went from thinking like, oh, people gonna notice this, people gonna notice that, to I'm okay, I'm just being, and I'm just gonna get this done, the energy from the person that was on the other end was just as light. And even if even if they may not agree, because I just recently went to the social security office just now to change because I changed my name twice. Yeah. So when I went recently, she addressed me as sir. When I gave her the paperwork, and I guess she probably pieced things together, the search didn't continue, but she wasn't nasty either. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's about what, how, you, how you perceive things, because somebody else could be like, she stopped calling me, sir, oh man. But it was just like, you know what, she wasn't rude, you did your job, you did what you're supposed to do to me, do for me, and that's that. Yeah. Don't take everything, I, like, again, I don't want to take things too personally. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Are there specific like tools or like rituals that you have for yourself to like check in and be like, what's happening for me in this moment right now versus like, because it is intense. Like when we feel those vibes, when yeah. we get misgendered, you know, like, yes, the how misgendering you... <laughs> in the beginning, the misgendering was very hard. Yeah. Um, very hard because I felt like you weren't seeing me and it mm -hmm. would get me angry. Um, and I was quick to correct somebody. Yeah. No, it's, it's he. No, it's Tashawn. Don't mess up with my name. I got very angry. But then again, when you, I became more of myself. If I heard she, I wouldn't. You're not talking to me. Mm. There's no way you're addressing me. Mm. You can't be. I, I recently went to somebody, a friend of mine's um, birthday party, and somebody else's mom said. So the somebody else's mom said she looks familiar. How can you say she looks familiar? I, I never met your mom. That means somebody else told you something. And those moments, those are very uncomfortable for me because I feel like why what. What was the point of disclosing that to, to somebody? And I feel like disclosure is something that needs, to talk, that needs to be talked about a lot too because people feel like it's their right, it's their <clears throat> duty to disclose that, it's disclose my experience. Why? Are you going around and saying everything about me? Or are you just telling them that part? Because I, I'm, I'm, multi, I'm a multi-layered person. Yeah. So are you mentioning that uh, I, went, I did a culinary um, course? Are you mentioning <laughs> what school I went to? Are you mentioning that I'm a brother? Are you mentioning that I'm, a, that I'm a, a, a uncle? Are you mentioning all these other things about me? Or are you just telling them that part? And if you are, why is that important? And those are the conversations that I have with people. Because even my mom, I was like, you know, people do things where they disclose for no reason. Mm. You'll say, oh, you know, John, the gay one, why? That, that's not, just say John. Why do we need to add that? And those are the conversations, like, I, it, it, it upsets me, <laughs> but it's kind of like, these, this is why I have these conversations. This is why the platform is there, because I feel people don't even realize that they do it. Because when I mentioned to my mom, she's like, you know what, that's true. And it's like, yeah, why do people do that? We don't say, I don't walk up and say, oh yeah, you know my mom, Martine, the straight one. We don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't ever do that. So it's just kind of like, I need to, we need to understand that these, like you, you are targeting people, you are making them feel uncomfortable, and this is what needs to stop. Yeah. Do you see that happening like within trans community or like the within people? Yeah. <sighs> because there's work that needs to be done within the community too. Yeah. Um, even with, I've, I've encountered it with um, lesbians, sometimes some gay men, where they don't see us, they don't see me, yeah. um, and having that conversation. And I think that the work, it can happen. It will happen because when we start having the conversations where we, like even uh, recently, we will say things like, how can you look at me and say that, oh, I don't get it, this is wrong, this is this, this is that, 
this is what we experienced. Our, this is what you experienced from the outside. Totally. And then, and then when you break it down even more to like somebody of ma- uh, mas- uh, masculine sensitive person, you're already going against the binary. Do you understand that? Do you understand that by you wearing the men clothes and still saying that you're a woman, you're going against the binary? Yeah. And and that you could co- that basically if you want to go further, you're part of the spectrum as well. But that might go over some people's heads. But then then when you have some people who are understanding who want to learn they're receptive to it mm-hmm. so maybe it's about being in a space to accept diff accept uh change and difference because a, lo- a lot of times people push back to something that's new and that's what a, a lot of times what it is it's like this is different for me this is new for me i don't want to understand it at all and so it's it's a lot of work with getting into a place of unlearning and learning something new and getting people to see things that hey the one way that you were taught isn't the only way and it's work within the community and outside the community yeah um, <clears throat> I wish we had a lot more time yeah, because no. there's, there's more I want to go into and I feel like we just ran through a bunch of parts of your life which is awesome I, I think I'm thinking about it in the sense of like like you said that document that you started to make for yourself yeah. early in your life the amazing thing about this project is like you could come back you know we could keep doing interviews with our with each other Great. with friends every couple of years you know how because yeah, things know. change exactly and that's why another thing i'm starting to cut you no, up and yeah. i know we're almost done yeah yeah uh tr- the reason why i transition why i get funny with that word too yeah. because we're forever transitioning like that's life right. and it, it's not specific to just to just uh folks within the community of tr- trans experience like my mom is not the same person she was when she was 20 years old uh you aren't the same person that you were when you were 15 or whatever age we're we're constantly going through some sort of transformation some like that's the life journey so i need people to understand that as well yeah that the language like won't apply for all of us at any stage of it but yeah i always like to just ask like a couple of last questions or to wrap up um you started especially at the end to tell me about a few places that you didn't feel seen and I was like to, is there a time or a story that you want to tell about when you did feel seen? Hmm. When I felt seen. I think one good time, I think um, being my mom and hearing her say my son. Hmm. Because for a very long time in the beginning, she struggles with calling me Tashawn. Well, my mom calls me T anyway, so that, and that was very important to me to keep, my, keep that initial because at first I went around with names. I, I, I went <laughs> out of the world with names just to come back to my name, yeah. my origin, I feel like. But it was important for me to keep the T because a lot of people in my family call me T and, and it feels like home for me. Yeah. Um, but at, talking about boundaries, I don't like other people to call me T. Yeah. I, I just family at this point now, family of close friends. But um, when she acknowledged me as her son, when we go like to her work, or different spaces like we went to go get a car one time it's at that moment because i know how hard it is for her or how hard it was for her in the beginning it makes me feel very very safe it makes me feel like she loves me it makes me feel things that i I used to question Mm. when i was younger that i no longer question now because i remember telling my brother i was like you know i thought my mom was ashamed Mm. that she didn't want me to be around she never used to have pictures up of me in her at her work whereas now things are shifted, you know, so I feel I do see the difference and it does make me feel like, you know, you see me for who I am and you accept me for who I am. And that feels good because I thought that we would never get there. Hmm. Um, if you wanted people to hear one thing from you as part of this interview, what would it be? Um, I like I start things. I have a tattoo on my hand. It says I am. Um, and even like this shirt, Warriors Creating History and a lot of affirmations so anything about me is i am light i am and i want everybody else to know that they have light within within themselves and just to keep lighting each other up like you know like a candle like how i, I know it's a saying like that you know you take your light and you light somebody else's candle that's all i want us to be to be able to to, to navigate in this world where we're just lighting each other up because we have a whole bunch of light within, within us so that's it i think it's a pretty beautiful note to to end on yeah thank you thank you so much no thank you this is this was great this is really great.